Zacchaeus was a wee little man, yes, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And when the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, come down from there, for I'm going to your house today. Yes, I'm going to your house today. Please be seated. If you grew up in the church, especially one that had vacation Bible school, you probably learned that song too. In fact, several commentators I consulted admitted that they couldn't read this story without thinking about it. It does kind of get into your head, and it captures some of the vivid details of this story which really appealed to me as a child. It has a character with a name, and he's not a kid, but he is short. <laughs> he's so short that he can't see over the heads of the crowd, so when he wants to see Jesus, he climbs a tree. How cool is that? As a child, I loved to climb trees. I loved to hang out above and sort of survey what was going on down on the ground. But Zacchaeus is an adult tree climber and very determined. Is he led by curiosity, do you think, or something more mysterious? He may have looked kind of silly up in the sycamore tree. The pictures of him tend to look silly. But he risked that, as well as whatever social disapproval went with it, because he wanted to see Jesus, just see him so much. And then when Jesus comes along, he looks up in the tree and he sees this funny little man looking down at him. And there's that satisfying break in the sing-song verse. We always shouted it as kids. Zacchaeus, come down from there. Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house and Zacchaeus seems thrilled about it. There's a kind of urgent joy in the welcome that's meant to fill us with joy as well. There's some other memorable details that are not in the song. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. In fact, a chief tax collector. Oh, that means he's a collaborator with the Roman occupation, a traitor to his people. He's probably dishonest, he has the opportunity to extort money, the power to defraud those from whom he collects taxes. In short, he would be someone his country folk despised. And what's more, he's rich, really rich. Oh, again, the rich don't fare very well in the Gospels, and especially not in Luke. We'll come back to this shortly. The people who witness Jesus interacting with Zacchaeus grumble about it, not surprisingly. He's gone to stay with a notorious sinner. Is he endorsing this guy's politics? 
his exploitative ways? What's up with that? As we read the story, we think that maybe it's okay because Zacchaeus says he'll repay any stolen money four times over and give half of his possessions to the poor. That's pretty impressive. It's way more than the law or any sensible person would require. It turns out, though, that this phrase is one of the complicated things in this deceptively simple little story. And the question hinges on verb tenses. Our version of the text translates Zacchaeus' words in future tense. Half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. With this reading, presumably Zacchaeus is declaring how he plans to change his life as a result of his encounter with Jesus. The good fruits of repentance, a changed relationship with the poor, it's all straightforward and very commendable. He's making reparation. But the thing is, Zacchaeus doesn't say anything about being sorry for his ways up to this point, and Jesus doesn't ask him to repent. For example, as a precondition for visiting Zacchaeus' house, no, Jesus seems downright eager to enjoy Zacchaeus' hospitality. In fact, many versions of the text translate the verse in the present tense. Lord, I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone, I pay back four times as much. Maybe, maybe Zacchaeus is responding to the grumblers and accusers and saying what, unknown to many, he already does. Maybe he's like some other powerful persons in history who have used their positions and resources, however questionably obtained, to do good, sometimes in secret, and sometimes at a risk to themselves. Either way, what's clear is that the joy of welcoming Jesus and the salvation Jesus declares has come to Zacchaeus' house today. And it's not exactly the result of Zacchaeus doing the right thing. The relationship is deeper and more subtle. Zacchaeus' integrity and generosity seem to be a sign of salvation, of being seen and found, and sharing God's joy. The story becomes even richer if we consider it in a broader context. Jesus is passing through Jericho. He's on the final stage of his journey to Jerusalem, where his destiny awaits him. This meeting with Zacchaeus is the final encounter Luke describes before the triumphal entry. Right before this passage, as Jesus and the disciples approach Jericho, he hears a blind man shouting out, clamoring for his attention, for mercy. Asked what he wants Jesus to do for him, the blind man doesn't hesitate. He wants to see, and he receives his sight. Is there a resonance here with Zacchaeus' desire to see Jesus? His willingness to overcome physical and social barriers in order to do it? Is there a significance in Jesus looking up to see Zacchaeus 
with all that follows from that sight. Perhaps, but even more central in the preceding chapters are the stories about the rich. As I said earlier, they don't come off too well in Luke's gospel. Do you remember the rich man who ignored Lazarus, the poor beggar at his gate, who literally didn't see the human misery right in front of him, nor anything that he might be able to do about it? In the chapter right before this, there's another passage, one that doesn't appear in this year's lectionary, in which a ruler, who's elsewhere called a rich young man, comes to Jesus asking how he can inherit eternal life. He has done everything right, from my youth, he says, but he's unfulfilled. So Jesus offers him a bold and gracious path. Sell all that you own. Distribute the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. But the man just can't do it. He's very rich. And more important, he's apparently unable to imagine life without his wealth and all that it supports. Who among us cannot empathize with his difficulties? He went away sorrowful. Jesus reflects, is it easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the realm of God? His hearers respond, who then can be saved? Jesus says, what is impossible for mortals is possible for God. Zacchaeus is the answer to who can be saved. He is a sign of God making the impossible possible. Further, coming as it does at the climax of Jesus' travel towards his destiny, the story of Zacchaeus emphasizes the central themes of this gospel. It shows the utter unexpectedness of grace, the radical wideness of God's mercy, the startling and sometimes offensive openness of God's welcome. What's more, it suggests a mysterious reciprocity in initiative. Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, and he looks for a way to do it. Jesus sees Zacchaeus and calls him down from the tree to offer hospitality that salvation may come to his house. Both Zacchaeus and Jesus experience a deep and lavish welcome. Zacchaeus is revealed as one who enacts restorative and generous justice. He is a sinner who does enormous good, who cares for the poor. Salvation, which is to say wholeness and fullness of life, comes to the home of the tax collector and the joy is contagious and palpable. Zacchaeus is revealed not only as a practitioner of reparations, but as a full member of the community. He, too, is the son of Abraham. And as we might say, Jesus is in the house. And we, where are we in this story? And how might this charming tale of the tax collector in the tree speak to us 
First, it raises an intimate question about the desires of our hearts. Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. Maybe he's driven simply by curiosity. Perhaps what he's heard about Jesus resonates with his own spiritual yearnings and secret practice. Maybe he doesn't really know what impels him, but he finds himself up a tree because he can't stand the thought of missing the chance to actually experience something of Jesus' presence, however fleeting. He surely risks some embarrassment, some ribbing and mockery, for who expects an adult, much less a notorious public figure, to go climbing trees? But sometimes the call of God doesn't make complete sense at first. It requires a childlike willingness to risk our dignity, at the very least, to follow the yearning to see more clearly. Zacchaeus seeks to see, and then Jesus looks up at him and sees, as Jesus so often does, with the eyes of the heart. He sees to Zacchaeus' very core. He calls him down from the tree and into a new and fuller life in community. Second, this story calls us to do what we can with what we have right here and right now. I don't know about you, but I find something relieving about a character who is rich and still manages to welcome Jesus and experience salvation. Zacchaeus may be the patron saint of those of us who have means and who pray to be forgiven both of the evil we have done and that done on our behalf, and who nevertheless can act with joy and generosity and the intent to do good to restore the world and care for our neighbors. Zacchaeus reminds us that we don't have to wait until everything is all cleaned up and figured out. His actions are grounded in a connection with God and neighbor, and they are infused with grace. He yearns to be fully seen by Jesus and in community, and in this story, he is seen. His salvation is integrally connected to the wholeness and well-being of others. Maybe most important, in these very disturbing and cynical and frightening times, especially as we head into the final week before an election, as we consider the many challenges facing our nation and our planet, as well as our own lives and our faith community here at Ascension, Zacchaeus reminds us that what is impossible for mortals is possible for God. That is not to say that everything will go our way or that life will be without suffering, for assuredly that is not so. It is to say that God's gracious welcome and mercy are wider and wilder and deeper than we imagine. I hope that we practice and experience that welcome here at Ascension. And I hope that as we welcome and are welcomed, we know the abiding joy of having Jesus in the house. Amen.